The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes talking uh, openly, honestly, and candidly about gambling addiction. Joining me, as always, my right-hand man, from Epic Risk Management is Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Craig. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you very much. And uh, happy to have a fellow gambler in recovery. Sherwin joins us this morning as well. Sherwin, good morning, and thank you for sharing your story today. Uh, good morning, Craig. Uh, good morning, Dan. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, how long has it been since your last wager? Um, about 115 days, so great. not too long ago, but I'm very proud of it day by day. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, uh, you're on your way, so that's a very, very good thing. If you don't mind me asking, what was your game of choice? Well, there was two things. Um, the game of choice that that was really the problem gambling was craps, but the other part was actually, believe it or not, options trading, which I don't know if some people consider it gambling some people don't, but that's something we could talk about for sure. Got it. All right, so let's uh, back the truck up a little bit. Um, what is your earliest memory uh, of gambling or your first kind of exposure to the world of gambling? My first exposures to gambling were completely recreational, um, very harmless. Um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, if my family ever went to Atlantic City, we grew up in the Queens, Long Island area. If we ever went to Atlantic City, it was extremely recreational. I thought nothing of it. Um, the the real turning point, Craig, was basically, you know, as a 21 year old, I worked uh, I worked some catering jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, catering jobs can be a bit physically demanding. Uh, back then, they paid about maybe seventy dollars for the evening, which right. was a decent amount of money back then. And I believe the genesis of this was I bet on an NFL game where I, I won about $150, and I said to myself, wow, instead of, you know, busting my hump for $70 and coming home, you know, barely able to move, maybe I can uh, just bet on sporting events. So that was yep. really the genesis of it. Sure. Um, but throughout the years, throughout my 20s, it was mainly recreational. I don't know if it was ever a problem where I was never emotionally present or physically present or, you know, I would find time to just go gamble. It never really got to that point. It mainly stayed recreational. By the way, I think um, for a young, and pardon me for saying this, you know, immature guy in his young 20s, uh, you know, it actually makes a lot of sense, right, Dan, where I'm busting my home for eight hours a night. I go home with 70 bucks, you know, honest, you know, honest labor. There's nothing wrong with it, of course. It's honorable. But here I sat on my ass for three hours and watched a football game, and I won double. Like that makes sense, yeah. actually. Yeah, it does. You know, fast money, less effort. I want to get paid. I want to get paid now. And you know that if, if that's the mentality back then, imagine what it is today, Craig. I mean, everyone wants something for now, really quick. You know, we got same day shipping on Amazon. We want that immediate gratification. So why do I want to bust my ass for six or eight hours when I can make the same amount of money with friends or by myself? With with very little effort. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's actually it's actually the same exact argument. You know, when I was away, you know, guys I, I became friendly with in the position I was in, you know, who deal drugs. 
I mean, essentially, yeah. right? Like, yep. why am I working at McDonald's when I can sling a couple rocks and make ten times that? You know, so right. I get it. So, all right, so, so you're gambling recreationally, not a big deal. Your buddies do it, you do it, it's all good. Your family goes to AC, not a problem. And then somewhere in life, it obviously does become more prevalent. When was that? The prevalency came a flash forward many years later. That young, immature kid who still has some immature tendencies, I guess, uh, you know, is married, has a young son. And, uh, you know, I was in the financial services sector as, as Dan was. So I, you know, I have a bit of Wall Street exposure. You know, I I, uh, I was a stock trader independently. I was an options trader. I was, you know, pretty successful at it to a certain degree. The turning point came when I became self-employed, and um, you know, at that, uh, I'll backtrack a couple of months before I became self-employed. I discovered the game of craps, the the dice game at the casino, and yeah. I, I kind of just fell in love with it. But it was still a recreational thing. It wasn't anything. You know, anything to really worry about. I think the worry part came uh, one day. It was just a slow day at the office. Uh, I was uh, just, you know, working alone, uh, didn't have many responsibilities. And then I said, you know, there's a casino about an hour and a half for me. Uh, if I go and leave right now at 10 a.m., you know, I can I can go there. I got eight or $9,000 in my pocket. Um, I could probably play for a few hours, and then I can come home and uh, – you know, my wife, my, you know, newborn, they won't even really know. It'll, it'll be fine. Right. And uh, that's kind of where the access and the, you know, making time for it began. And slow, surely but slowly, that 8000 in cash that I would bring would turn into a, a $22,000 bank check. Then it turned into a $28,000 bank check. And, you know, every, every time I would go, if I would win, the money that I would, the winnings would go towards paying off my credit card, right, or paying my health insurance, or you know, what's you know, fast. Buying- what's fascinating about this, Sherwin, is that your day-to-day job was gambling. Option trading is gambling; it's just legal. Um, and you know, you're making bets essentially on you know the predictive nature or expertise of stocks and companies, et cetera. So what's interesting to me about it is that you could have gotten the action just by doing your job, but you still went to the casino to get more action. I found that fascinating. There, that statement, there is some disconnect there. The thing is, uh, when I was trading options, I was doing it more. I, I don't want to say it was speculation. It was more of an income strategy. I had a model where I would trade options like as if I was an insurance company. I would sell premium and, you know, collect premium and depending on where the price of the underlying stock would be at a certain expiration date, right. I would keep the premium. Okay, so let me stop uh, you on that because this becomes more fascinating the way my brain works. That takes yeah. tremendous discipline to do that and do that well on a daily basis. So I'm assuming at some level you bring that discipline to the craps table. Clearly you don't maintain it or else we wouldn't be talking to each other right now. But how did you kind of process mentally the discipline of being a really good option trader with the lack of discipline in gambling? The lack of discipline in gambling came from, uh, first of all, I, you know, I, I had to go to the physical casino. You know, I, live on, I live on Long Island. It, was, it took me about two hours to and from. So I only had about three hours at the table. 
So from my perspective, I didn't want to just go there and win a couple of hundred bucks and then, you know, drive another hundred miles home. If I was going there with a, with a bank check of 20 or 25,000, I wanted to make sure I was leaving with at least five or six or 7,000. Yep. Yeah. And the discipline went out the window. There were many times where I would, you know, be there for three hours and it was, you know, getting late. And, you know, if, you know, I knew if I didn't leave at a certain time, I would run into traffic and then my wife would be like, you know, Hey, sure. When, where are you? I need you, blah, blah, blah. So I would start to do, you know, uh, you know, very irrational, uh, compulsive things. And eventually those habits, you know, enveloped into other habits, it enveloped into ego, which, you know, on yep. an earlier broadcast, uh, Dan said, you know, ego stands for edging God out. You know, I wasn't just edging God out. I was pushing <laughs> God. I was pushing my, my, my wife, you know, I was pushing my son. I was pushing my parents. I was pushing just things in general, exercise, um, eating well, eating, you know, eating habits. You know, I was involved in a very serious real estate business where I was not putting, uh, you know, I, I thought that I wasn't putting 100% in. I was put, not even putting 10% in. Right. I would constantly, you know, you know, I, w- I, would, I didn't want to put miles on my leased car, you know, because I was constantly going to the casino. So I would have a deal with the casino where they would, you know, get me a rental car or they would send me a limousine. I, I was, you know, the, the things that I would do, the, the amount of effort that I put in, yeah. if I had put that effort into being a good husband, a good father, a good businessman, a good citizen, a, a good, you know, a health conscious person, my life would be much, much better. It just, it, it occupied my frontal lobe. Yeah. Well, listen, you're talking with the guy who's got some clarity now looking backwards as you know, I yep. do and Dan does. Uh, before we take uh, the break, um, obviously this all leads to a kind of bottom of the barrel moment. And I wonder for you, and there's so many questions I have for you, but for the moment, what was that bottom of the barrel moment where you said, all right, you know, self-talk jackass, I got to get some help. I've got a problem. What happened? That moment came in two forms. The, you know, the, the literal moment came where I, I just knew that, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, I couldn't just, I didn't have any more money of my own. I, I you know, I wasn't going to, uh, the next step would have been to go to my family and, and, you know, perhaps, you know, fabricate some story that, oh, I have uh, this investment property. If you lend me the money, I'll pay you back. And right. it would have been a complete fabrication, which could have seriously hurt my life. The emotional aspect of it had to do with, with my son, which uh, I'm sure we can get speaking to after the break. All right, let's uh, let's take the quick break. Uh, Sherwin joins us. Uh, he's 115 days into recovery, so it's great talking to someone who's that new, fresh to it. Of course, Dan Trelauer, Epigris Management. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton, Dan Trelauer, and Sherwin joins us. Where we left off, you brought up uh, your young son and how he played a role in your deciding to get help. Before you tell that story, I'm just wondering, at any point prior to you kind of raising your hand saying, I need help, I've got a problem, did your wife ever come to you and say, hey, what's going on? You're not not the same? You know, the funny thing is, you know, my wife, before we had our son, I would go to the casino with her often, and she knew I liked to play. She just didn't know the magnitude or the depth of it. 
So she never knew I had a legit problem, but, uh, you know, there were times where if I came back from, it, it was, it was, it was funny, uh, Craig, when I would come back from the casino, if I made eight or $9,000, I would be in this euphoric state. But if I came back and I lost $20,000, I didn't tell her anything. And she, she was like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I would just brush it off. And it, it, it did lead me to not being there emotionally, which, you know, was a problem. Yep. Um, you know, so I, I did, you know, later on, I did admit to my wife that I, I do have a problem. I never, I never, I haven't come clean to her that I was going to the casino without her knowledge throughout the day, because at that time I, I, I just justified it and said it was a victimless crime. I mean, whether I'm at work or I'm at the casino, it's none of her business, but at the same time, it's, you know, your, your loved one who's your life partner, you know, you're not being fully transparent Sure, and that's something that you know I, I I'm working on being more transparent with with my past. Well, look, it's a process, wow. uh, and Dan can speak yeah. to that. You know, yep. and we say this a lot. You know, recovery is not overnight, and you know the years you spend gambling, uh, especially when you're hiding the gambling, which we all do. You you don't repair that in a 24 hour period. You don't get to announce to the world, "Hey, I acknowledge I have a problem." And expect the world or the people that you're closest to to say, "Hey, great news! Let's celebrate," because there's a there's a lot of water under the bridge, um, and you need to deal with it. And Dan and I talk about that a lot, right, Dan? That you know, yeah. it's you can beat it, you can have this amazing life worth living, but it's going to take time because you spent so much time, you know, hiding things, lying about things, gambling, et cetera, et cetera. It's it, it's crazy because we 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 take all this time to kind of put these layers on top of us, right? We're, we're covering up our true self. And over the years, as we're falling into this, this pit of addiction and despair and all these bad decisions, it's layer after layer that now when we're in recovery and, you know, 115 days, four years, 12 years, doesn't matter. We're peeling away the layers that we've put on top of us for such a long period of time. And if you talk to any family member or loved one, they will always tell you, I want to know everything right off the bat yep. and the reason they say that they may not be able to handle it all right away but it's more damaging to drop little bombs along the way because you're trying we're all trying to get that trust back and we're all trying to do the next right thing and it takes time but we're continually dropping bombs oh i didn't tell you about this loss oh i didn't tell you about this person it's hard it's a roller coaster ride they've been on an emotional roller coaster and as a family member, when they continue to find out little things along the way and big things along the way, that's why they need support, too. And, Craig, that's something you and I talk about is, yeah. is uh, support for the loved ones because they're finding things out along the way as we realize things about ourselves. We don't even mean to cover it up. It's just we have these revelations sometimes and say, oh, my God, I totally forgot about this. Yeah, I mean, I had one uh, this morning. Jerry Recco, who works with me at WFN, told the story about – you know, a casino trip, but I I didn't remember it until he brought yeah. it up. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, I, I totally forgot about that. Sherwin, you referenced your son a few moments ago and how he or his existence played a role in your willingness to say, hey, I've got a problem. I need to go get help. What happened? Well, I'll, I'll backtrack. You know, this whole time when, when, when craps became the, the real problem for me, I always knew in the back of my head, as I, even as I was driving to the casino, that I was doing the wrong thing and that eventually this wasn't going to last forever. You know, in my head, I tried convincing myself that I could probably for the rest of my life 
you know, play craps, win money, and, and, and finance whatever I need to finance, and you know that will give me my dopamine hit, and I'll I'll be happy. But it was one particular. It was the last day I gambled. It was February second. Um, you know, normal day, get a rental car, uh, drive up to the casino um, with my check, with the intention of winning. Uh, I did not win. I always knew that my last day gambling was going to come off a loss. You know, sadly, that's how all problem gamblers are. They're never going to, you know, win $8 million over four days and say, uh, you know, I think I'm done. Right. They'll, they'll, they'll gamble till their last dollars there. So driving back from the casino as despondent, as tired, emotionally tired, physically tired, spiritually tired, uh, tired of just of just not caring for my health, tired of not caring for my mental health, my physical health, you know, in terms of, you know, health and fitness, I, I neglected going to the gym. I neglected eating well. I would eat from drive throughs I would just, you know, I, I just did not care. And then you know, I finally did get home. You know, uh, my son was still asleep. I, I took a shower. And uh, when I got out, he was awake. And, you know, I had felt like such garbage, you know, throughout that whole day, throughout the past, however long it's been since I was constantly going to the casino. And, you know, there's this 17-month-old baby who was just so happy to see me. And in my head, I'm just thinking, like, why is he happy to see me? I'm such a loser, you know? And then it, it just hit me. It just it just hit me like a truck where it's like, you know, he, you know, he loves me. I, I'm, I'm his father, you know? And, like, I, I just knew I wanted to be in the right mind for him to enjoy him, for him to enjoy me. I wanted to give him my best. And then the second part of it was, you know, I was playing with my wife and, you know, and my son, we were playing in the, in the living room. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of alluded to my wife, you know, how do people overcome addiction? How do they overcome problems? And then, you know, my wife told me something that you, you guys did mention. I think Dan mentioned on an earlier show, and that is addiction wants us to think that we're all alone, that we're all fighting this alone. Yeah. And, you know, it, it didn't hit me then, but I, I let it marinate on my brain for, you know, for a few days, you know, into the Super I remember watching the Super Bowl and thinking this, you know, problem gambling, gambling wants me to think that I'm fighting this alone. I'm only one person. But the truth is, you know, I have good surroundings around me. I have an amazing, supportive, loving wife, an amazing, supportive, loving son. You know, I, you know, and, and in the past 115 days, you know, Obviously, it's it's it, there have been quite a lot of struggles that they they certainly have. But you know, my worst day over the past 115 days has been better than my best day. You know, when I was in my problem gambling do you, stage. Do you, you find, like I have, that the amount of available mental space you have now is almost overwhelming? Where you're not worried about you know going to the casino, getting a rented car. Where's the limo going to pick you up? How am I going to get a bank check? All the, you know, the half truths you had to tell to do what you were doing. Do you find that you're uh, really free mentally? It's it's not even that I'm free mentally. I'm just free in general. I I, I really felt like I was in a prison without walls for so long. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, part of me wants to go back to that prison at times. That is natural sure. part of the process. But yeah, Craig, Dan, the, the amount of free mental space that I have. You know, I grew up a big New York Yankees fan, and, you know, I kind of just neglected baseball. Now I watch baseball at night. You know, my wife is on her iPad. I'm watching baseball. I took up tennis. 
you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying playing tennis. Uh, you know, I just spending time with my family, you know, it's awesome, right? It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's just, it's, it's something that Hmm. anyone that's listening to this, I just want them to know that sooner or later in recovery, it will come upon you. Your frontal lobe will be, will be like somebody vacuumed all the dirt out of your frontal lobe. And (laughs) it's it's something you can't describe until you have to experience it to, to, to understand it. Do you, know? you still uh, trade stocks and in the financial sector, or did you uh, find another profession? Um, I do have an account where I, I will own individual shares of stock or mutual funds. Um, other than that, in terms of options trading, uh, that's something that I'm, I'm kind of emotionally processing that, you know, listen, I, I know for a fact, I, like, like you said on the show, this show is not anti-gambling. It's just you know that you can't gamble. I, I know that I cannot walk into a casino. I cannot go near a craps table. Right. I cannot do that. Can I trade options again? That's something that I'm trying to process. I'm trying to look into it more. I'm trying to backtrack how I was able to trade options rec- uh, responsibly and you know, fiscally and with transparency over the you know for, for for a while. But then out of nowhere, it just it became. Very problematic. You know, I love that answer, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I love that answer because it's honest. Yeah. Because if I had asked you that question 116 days ago, you would have said, of course I can trade options. Why couldn't I? There's no doubt that's how you would have answered that question. So I think not knowing the answer and being honest about that means that, you know, you do get it, and you're on the right path. And listen, there are going to be tough days ahead for sure. That's, you know, part of this, but... I think that answer is a great answer because it's honest. Yeah, d- yeah, just trying to be transparent. I'm trying to take accountability. I'm going to be honest. You know, a big part of me that, you know, wanted me to speak to a th- I speak to a therapist regarding this issue. A big thing that led me to that was your show. You know, uh, Craig, I-, I watched your documentary, Wild Card. And, you know, one night I was just, you know, my wife is fast asleep. My son is fast asleep. And I was you know, thinking about gambling. And then I, I said, you know, Craig Carton, a big public figure, a big you know, radio guy, he probably has things on YouTube. So I started Googling, and I think one of your shows is on YouTube. And then I saw, wow, there's all these episodes. Yeah. So I started, I listened to the first episode with Chris Christie and you guys. And, you know, I'm wow. almost up, caught up to the current, uh, you know, episode now. I think May 14th was your last recording. And that's also been a very big support system for myself to help hear other people to hear, you know, a professional like Dan, to hear, you know, a guy like you, Craig, with all that you've gone through and all that you've overcome up until now. You know, my 115 days doesn't, you know, pales in comparison to Dan's 12 years and your four years, but your four years and your 12 years are what gets me to day 116, to day 117, to day 118, because I don't want to think of four years for me or 12 years for me. I just want to think of today and only today. Well, Danny, go ahead. Man, we lift each other up. And, you know, I appreciate that. And and the fact that you listen and that you're so on, you know, the honesty to Craig's point, he was spot on with that. An honest answer means that you're exploring. You don't have the right answer because we don't have the right answers. 12 years in recovery, I still explore things. You know, I still ponder. You know, I think it's natural. It's human nature to question. It's good to ask questions. It's good to reach out for support and to have a support network. And we just lift each other up. Because each day that we can spend away from, from gambling or hurting our lives or our loved ones, that's meaningful. So like what Craig always says, I'm going to say, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you I, think it's, I think it's great, especially because, 
you know, sometimes, you know, there are people that the farther away they are from day one, you know, uh, you know, they kind of lose sight of what day one was like. I think it's just natural for a lot of people. That's why I always ask a lot of the guys that are in recovery longer than, you know, you are, you know, what would they say to someone who's at the beginning of it? And you got 115 days in, so you're pretty close to the beginning of it. But I'll ask you the same question. For the young man or woman that's listening right now who is finally coming to terms with, A, I need help, what would you say to them based on where you are now 115 days in? Uh, My simple answer would be first to say congratulations for making that first step, which is a prerequisite. Uh, The thing that I would say to anyone starting day one is – it's only it's only going to be a day by day thing. It's 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 you know put all your might into just the next 24 hours. Talk to someone. Um, things that you used to love doing, just don't dive right into them, but just ponder them. If you used to love sports, or you used to love religion, or you used to love politics, ponder exploring that again. Um, just know that you're not alone. This addiction, this 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 disease, illness, whatever you want to call it, it wants you to think that you're alone. You're not alone. Uh, you know, uh, obviously there are times when, you know, you know, people are not always going to be there to help you. That's when you're going to need to build up a reservoir in yourself to rely on yourself as well. Um, just, just keep at it. I promise it will get better. Um, you know, and that's, that's basically it. Well, I think that's a good message. And uh, we are proud of you. And I really appreciate you sharing your story and, Get through today, and uh, when tomorrow comes, we'll worry about it. Uh, so thank you for sharing, and uh, thanks for coming on, Sherwin. And if you ever need anything offline, uh, you can always reach out to Dan or, or myself uh, 24-7. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you, Craig. I, I appreciate it. I hope to one day to come back on the show. Thank you. No doubt. No doubt. We'll do it for sure. Thank you. That's Sherwin, everybody. Dan, that was great uh, hearing from a young guy who's relatively new to recovery. You know, being able to uh, articulate exactly what he's going through uh, is what this show is all about. And uh, I'm glad and it's uh, refreshing, you know, when I hear someone talk about listening to the show and how hearing other people's stories help them come to terms with having a problem. And it's reassuring that, I don't know, it, it's, like, it's just nice to know that, you know, people hear what we're doing and it has a positive impact on their lives. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that that's meaningful, and it, and it serves as another support for him to get through a tough time or a day, as I'm sure it serves many people. And you know what was interesting about this one, Craig, is you know being in the financial services sector previously uh, myself, we're, we're hearing and starting to see more people talking about day trading, options, cryptocurrency. And while they're not technically gambling, as Sherwin said, I know during COVID, the, the helpline for 800 Gambler saw a bit of a spike in terms of people experiencing problems with that type of trading activity, and they would call a gambling helpline to say, hey, I think I have a problem. You know, it's not, it's not gambling, but it's day trading. So there are some similarities that he kind of highlights, and, you know, that is an area that's interesting because, again, not technically gambling, but something that people are experimenting with and finding some harm. Yeah, I think it absolutely is gambling. It's just uh, disguised under a different name. Yeah. But it, it, it's, oh, the components of it are yeah. exactly the same to a lot of casino games and, or you know, in-game wagering. It's the same damn thing, the way yep. I see it. But we just no one calls it gambling because one day along the way, someone decided that trading stocks wasn't gambling, but it is, <laughs> right? That's right. That's so. regulated under a whole different authority. So well, listen. Definitely we, one worth watching. We made it to June, so we'll just keep on going. How's that sound? That sounds good to me.
All right, brother. Be good. The best to your family. Uh, Mark Malusis is coming up next. And then Evan and I are back uh, Monday at 2 o'clock here on The Fan. We really appreciate you joining us. If you have a problem, if you think you have a problem, if you have a loved one that you're concerned about, you can start this journey by calling 1-800-GAMBLER and uh, getting the help that you or a loved one uh, very much needs. And uh, we appreciate you allowing us into your cars and homes every Saturday morning. Have a great weekend, Dan. Do it again next Saturday. Thanks for joining us. Sounds great. Have a great week. This is Hello, My Name is Craig.